All right. Let's get this all set up here. Why is this all moved today? Is there a reason? I don't know. You think that a microphone would just be in a straight spot, right? Everybody has whatever. All right. Uh, how you doing, Reg? You do all right? I know I'm not in a bad mood. Don't worry about it. I just sometimes I don't understand. I mean, you know, why isn't everything? You leave a spot, leave it. You know, all those bad why those old adages. Leave it as you found it, right? Leave it for the next person. Anyway. So, are we uh, all ready to go? Good, 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 good. All right. I like where the levels are, so keep those there. I'll give you the three S's and the countdown. Give me the music. I'll give you a podcast. Not too bad. Not a bad little, not a bad little um, arrangement, huh? What do you say? All right. Put it in the book. 341. Are you set? I'm set. Star, smile, strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcasts. We are there. And don't forget, if you do go on another podcast or another platform, subscribe to this podcast and rate it. But most importantly, especially at this time of the year, during the holiday season, it's so important to give. Isn't it? It's so much better to give than to receive. So why don't you give to me? And tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podcastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated, and at this time of giving, you never know what may be also be given to you for your good deeds and your efforts. If you like what you hear, don't forget, go to WGNRadio.com and go to the podcast section, go to the prompt for this podcast, and my God, it will be as if Santa had made a visit. And spilled out his podcast bag, his bag full of podcasts, and laid them all there for you to binge on. Oh, there's so many there. I know I've done 340. So welcome to episode 341. I don't know if it's popular to say. I don't know if it's... It shows my age, I'm not sure, but once again, I I don't really care about all that stuff, because this is all about being open, being honest, and um, just telling like it is, and talking to you, the podcast listener. And you can agree with me or not, doesn't really matter. If, that's, if that was the attitude we had, we'd be in a lot better shape than we are today. Why can't we just agree to disagree 
and move forward. Nobody is going to have the same exact thoughts on everything. It, it, doesn't it seem that, that if, 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 you, if everybody just came down to that realization, we've got almost 8 billion people in the world. It's impossible for everyone to think the same, as much as governments and dictators and laws and activists, what, whatever you want to say. As much as humanity has tried to bring people to one train of thought, it's clear that the human species cannot do that, cannot or will not, whichever is the case, let's just face reality. I often talk about facing reality, just being realistic. If we were more realistic, we would have a much easier way of things. I think things might be a little better because we would not be either forcing our views or our expectations on things or getting angry when people don't think like we are we we have to we are i think we're moving a little in that direction as we as we talk about diversity but we are there's a there's a randy newman song that came out in the 80s called i'm different and i don't care who knows it something about me's not the same that that sums it up so simply that's why we're so divided you know we're divided because we won't accept the fact that we're divided <laughs> that's where the that's where the anger comes in if we all accepted to say okay look we are not going to no one or everyone is not going to be in perfect lockstep Doc, lock, lock, lockstep with everyone else. Yes, there are issues and subjects that large groups of people can agree on, but we all don't check the same boxes. And even if somebody forces you to check those boxes, if they're, it's not inside you, it doesn't matter what you say. It's, it's really a combination of what you say, but more importantly, of what you do, that phrase. Once again, this other old adage, you know? An adage about, you know, actions speak louder than words. You can sign a piece of paper and check everything, yes, 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 but uh, what do you do? How do you feel about it? You might be appeasing somebody else. I'm bringing this up, this whole idea of division, because it's, it's really hard not to, if you take a step back, it's really hard not to see what a divided, chaotic um, time this is. And you say, geez, Jim, you know, why do you have to be so gloom and doom and such a down, Debbie Downer around the holidays? I mean, this is a time for, for optimism and fun and hope and festiveness. Hey, nobody is more festive than me. I've had my Christmas stuff up 
since the middle of November. My the my house, my the inside of my house has been a winter holiday wonderland for already a month already. What's what you know? I've already I've I'm I got my festive pin on. No, it's not a brooch. It's a festive pin. I'm festive. I can be as festive as the rest. I like a good glass of nog with a little nutmeg and a little pumpkin spice in it. I like a nice hot cup of glutwein around the holidays. I like to wear my Santa hat and my Santa coat. Got a Santa shirt last year. Now you say, Jim, I mean, you know, you can put on all those accoutrements and take part in all those holiday things, but are you really being festive inside? I'd like to think so. It's a hard time, though. There's no question. Being festive is a little harder this time, this year, isn't it? You know, we're knocking on the door of three years of COVID, and as we know, and if you've been around and you've been paying attention, you know, COVID is not gone. We, we, you know, it's been almost a year now that we have been acting like COVID is over, and COVID has reminded us that it is not gone, and it may never be gone, really. For whatever reason, however it was, it got into the human population, whether it was naturally through a, a jump and a skip in the in the animal kingdom, or, or whether it was manufactured somewhere, regardless, it's here. Once again, deal with the reality. It's here. You know, we could we can you know, we like to blame, we like we like um reasons. We like to blame, but it doesn't really do anything in the reality of whatever situation that is of coping with it, right? It might help you a little, but talk to people sadly who've had tragedies, say family members have been killed especially. And, and and while they are so determined to punish the people that are responsible for taking away one of their loved ones, and no one can begrudge or argue with that, right? We want, we want people to pay consequences when they do bad things, especially if they, they do something horrendous to one of our loved ones. I understand that. And some people dedicate their lives to it, and they get that. They they get that that resolution. They get that that form of justice that they that they think they've needed and wanted. But you talk to a lot of them, and you'll see that when it's all over, and when they get that kind of justice that they wanted, whether it was revenge, vengeance, or just or just pure justice. And that person is 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 either uh, put in jail for the rest of their lives, or in some cases even executed for a horrendous crime. Many times you will hear the the, the families or whoever is so committed to that say it it's it still wasn't enough, and so. Uh, you know we can we can look for reasons we can look to blame, but at the end of the day we need to cope with stuff. And as I said, in this time of um, we've got we still have this this crazy war, and that's what it is in in the Ukraine going on. 
seven or eight months now. COVID is back as much as we have tried to deny it. In the last two weeks, I have gotten phone calls from eight people in the last two weeks, 14 days, eight people, and not on the same day. It's been spread out, so it almost feels like it's been every one, almost once a day. It almost feels like it. Eight people in the last 14 days have called me to say, and I've, that I've been around, to say that they have been exposed, or they tested, or they either have been exposed to somebody that has COVID, they were informed, and now they're informing me, or they've called back then and said, uh, I just tested positive. Eight people. Now, I have to tell you, with all the boosters and the masks, and we're going on three years, and all the vaccines and everything we have, this now is the most I have heard of people getting COVID that, that I know personally, that I have been around. I Over the last two and a half, almost three years, I have not received this many calls in total about, oh, you might want to take a test because I am positive and, and I was in, or I have been exposed to them. I have, I have not gotten that many calls from people. I have not taken so many tests in such a short period of time. In two weeks, in the last two weeks, I have gotten more warning calls or informational calls about people that either have been exposed to COVID or that have now tested positive for COVID than I have in the last two and a half years. When we had less vaccines and less tools, if you will, to guard against it. So while we're acting like everything's fine and COVID is gone, at least in my personal situation, to me, it seems more like an, a pandemic than ever. Because we are not being as diligent as we used to be. And yet COVID is still here. And go back and listen to my podcasts. And I always tell you, go back and listen to podcasts to, to know where we're, we've been so you know where we're going. I don't talk a lot about COVID, and to be honest with you, I wasn't even I wasn't even planning on talking about COVID right today. But once again, that's the beauty of an Elton Jim podcast. You never know where it's going to go. And don't worry, I'll cut. I'll get back to my original topic. <laughs> We've got an hour together, right? But uh, I don't. I have not spoken about COVID all that much because you know there's there's a, there's a, comes a period where people just tune out and not not physically, not even not literally, but just mentally. You know, so I have not I've spoken about it when I felt it was appropriate, but I have not harped on it, you know, week after week after week. But I I bring it up now because I'm noticing it more in my life. And thankfully, I still have have tested negative. I am triple boosted. I was triple boosted in September. The first the first week that the new vaccine and the new booster was available, I went out and got it. And as I told you, I have been, and I said I would be, and I have not broken that to to to, to a great extent. Um, I mean, yeah, I look. I've been in in social situations without a mask. I've been in restaurants. I've, I was in I was in Dodger Stadium 
for three nights, 55,000 people each night, shoulder to shoulder in the pit while we're all screaming and yelling and droplets are flying around. I didn't have my mask on. So, look, I, I, I haven't been completely, uh, you know, diligent as well. But I will say when I've gone to airports and I've been on planes, you know, at least those Dodger Stadium shows were outside. And at least, uh, you know, in a restaurant, yes, it's all around, but at least you're only with, at your table, you're with people that you know. And look, I, I'm even with the, the people that I'm at my table, I, they're not in a bubble. We're not all in bubbles. So I'm, look, I've, I've been, I've certainly, you know, let my guard down than I did it two years ago, no question. But airports still wear my mask in grocery stores or any kind of store, indoor where there's a lot of people. I still wear my mask. And as I said, I probably will always wear that mask in an airport and on an airplane. Just flew four hours, you know, there and back to L.A. Had the mask on the whole time. One of the very few who did, but I did. I just feel, I'm not saying that that's the reason why I haven't tested positive when many people in the same situations that I have have. I don't know why. But I know that I've tried to do everything I can getting the booster, mitigating when possible, wearing the mask when possible. And, uh, but yeah, so COVID's not gone. But but you know what? As I said before, you, you know, it, it's it's the holiday season and we like to, you know, I've been playing the, the holiday music since November. And so I've, all those, all those holiday festive things, believe me, I've been doing. But, but I'm not, but I'm not, oblivious of the fact of what some realities there are too and i think it's great to to want to get together with people and 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 be festive and have fun there's no question about that but you can't take your eye off the ball um and and just be blind to that for for a month or two or three weeks because then the shock value will hit you and what and 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 what's really been interesting so we've got wars we've got still we've got covid We've got, you know, economic uncertainty. We've got, um, we've got societal uncertainty. So much division. And the one thing, and the, and, and and here we go. I've ma- I've I've made a U-turn. I'm going back now to my original topic. <laughs> so be so so strap in now. Get ready. Here it comes. I took a little detour. I took a little. I took a little dirt path. And now I am um, I'm circling back to the main road. But I, I do believe it's important to stay aware of the realities. And, and we don't need to start ticking off all the things. But let's just face it. I think we can all agree that it's, it's, a, it's a very tough time. And I've talked about this in the past. Very tumultuous. Very uh, unstable time. We are... Really, what I, w- I would consider right now what we're doing in our society as right now, we are in the makings of the sausage era right now. We are making the sausage. You know that, you know that phrase that uh, you don't want to see the sausage made because it's not pretty? It's nice to have that nice bratwurst or that nice piece of Italian sausage and it's all tucked in nice and tight with that casing. And it's juicy, and it tastes good. 
but we really don't know what's in it. We know we like a nice sausage, and I, <laughs> I like a good sausage. <laughs> no, no, I really do. Oh, I love a good bratwurst with a little mustard on it. But it's got to be that spicy. I do like the spicy mustard. But I, I do like a great bratwurst. And, you know, the funny thing is, I don't like, I'm not really a big fan of the hot dog. But I like, I mean, a hot dog is a sausage, right? But I, I, I like the thing that's actually called a sausage, you know? So I like a bratwurst. I like, I like um, you know, a Polish sausage. My gosh, my wife and I uh, several years ago went to um, to Prague a couple of times. Really like Prague is a beautiful city. If you're thinking about going, um, you know, overseas. Now, I don't know what the situation is, you know, given the whole. I mean, they're, Prague is not a, not a part of the Soviet Union anymore. So thankfully, when we went, there wasn't this craziness. You, also, you really have to start to to be careful when you think about where you go now in the world you know last 15 20 years it wasn't that you didn't really um, think about that we're in a different time but we're making that so anyway let me get back to my Prague heads we went there around Christmas time and they had these Christmas markets right in the square in Prague by the bell tower beautiful beautiful and my gosh I could not get enough they were selling these sausages you know, just being cooked right there on the grill out there during these Christmas markets in Prague. And there was something different about the the meat there and the and the sausage there. It wasn't a brat, it wasn't it wasn't a Polish sausage. It was it was something different, but oh my gosh, was it good. So I like a good sausage. But I like the finished product. I like that all those ingredients that are ground in there and put together and, and isn't it cool the way they make a sausage, the way they shoot that the meat into that casing? I, 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 I've never, I've always wanted to do that. I've never tried that. I'd love to try that. It's so cool to see that when they when the casing sits there in that machine and it and it shoots the, you know, the ingredients, the innards of the not innards, but the <laughs> the meat of the sausage. But my point is, and that's the that's the phrase. You don't want to really see all of the ingredients or how the sausage is made because some of it you might not like you know let's let's face it we all hear we've all heard about the fillers and what's ground into you know a lot of times they always have said at least with hot dogs it was kind of the waste products the leftover stuff um from the choice cuts that were sold as steaks or pork or whatever you want to you know chops or whatever you want to call it lamb chops pork chops that hot dogs were kind of like the um, the bastard child of the meat world. It was kind of the leftovers that were ground up and then, uh, you know, stuck in that casing. And then that's why, you know, you put so many condiments on it, at least initially. But certainly the uh, the art of sausage making has changed. There's a lot more natural things being put in it but the but the phrase still stands you know and it's and it's and it's a reference to you don't want to hear or see all the details you want to see the finished product but sometimes you don't want to see all the details and everything that goes into getting to that finished product we like the finished product but we sometimes don't want to see the sausage made or or even for our own good 
we don't want to see the sausage made. And I believe right now in our culture, in our society, and, and I mean globally, you know, here in the United States, we, we, have a, uh, we have an attitude that, you know, everything that happens in this country is the most important thing. As I said before, there's 8 billion people in the world. We have 330 million of 8 billion. Um, not even close. <laughs> not even close to a majority. We have huge influence because of our military um, and our and our economics, our our money. But uh, we and 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 so whatever because of our position in the world, what happens here does take on greater influence. But when you think about the rest of the world, our population is not, it's not even, I mean, think about it. We're not even close to being an eighth of the population. We're not even close to 500 million people. That would be a half of a billion and billion being one eighth of the population of the world. We're like a third of a billion. That would get us to one-eighth of the population. So in terms of real numbers, you know, our, our view of ourselves here, uh, you know, we have, a, we have a heightened and elevated view of ourselves, and, and uh, our position in the world gives us that to some extent. But more and more, the rest of the world, as we become more of a global society, the rest of the world is, is sort of saying, uh you know, you guys aren't, don't have all the answers, and we don't. But what's been interesting about this, I always a lot of times make comparisons to the 60s, to the time we're in now, when there was a huge kind of rethinking of, of values. Uh, and that was 50 years ago, right? Um, but at that time... We were less of a global society than we are now. And so we were going through a lot of tumult and, and transition, as were different parts of the world. But now I believe the whole globe is. And so much of that has to do with, with social media and the Internet, the ability to, to connect the whole world. We never had that before. This is an, a, a real, this is the last 20 years. This is a real uh, new phenomenon that we're still grappling with. The, inter- the internet really, you know, took hold in the mid-90s when it really came into people's lives individually. I mean, the technology itself had been around for a while, but until people really started using it, mid-90s, 96, 95, 96, 97, when it really started to take hold. So, you know, 25, almost 30 years now, and we're still grappling with it. We still don't know what to do, and, it, and, it's, and it's taken on a world of its own. We, we have not done a good job of, of, uh, of corralling it. From the very beginning, there should have been regulations on it. Now it, it's, it's, we're, we, it's, it's like a, a, a stallion that we let out of the, you know, we're, we're trying, we let this horse run out of the, of the, uh, of the fences, and now we're trying to get them back in, and the horse is is, is already got a life of its own. You're not coming back home. <laughs> but uh, but no, the difference I think now between now and the '60s is that 
America was going through great change and transformation and a rethinking, but now the whole world is. And, and I really believe that, that we are in a sausage making era right now. We are grappling with so many different issues on who we are and what we are and how things affect us and how we want to live and, 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 and the way we should live. There is, there are so few. That's why. There's why. That's why there's such division right now. I think, at least, not. It's not the only reason, but a contributing factor is that, as I said before, we 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 rarely agree on everything, and so now we're in this transformational kind of period in in our history, the world's history, and now we're not just trying to get 330 million people to think like-mindedly we're trying to get eight billion (laughs) no easy task to be sure and the reason i'm bringing this up is because i don't know if you are a big soccer fan and this is not about sports at all well there's a little bit of sports here but this is more about the human condition. But every so often, we, we are united many times by sporting events. And, and, and that's just, once again, that's kind of a human trait. You go back and look, you know, all you have to do is go to Italy. Uh, you know, go back, go to Egypt. And you'll see that, you know, there's the Colosseum. The Colosseum is in Italy is representative of the fact that people would gather together to watch sporting events and and even though there were maybe you know people were rooting for one or the other the whole the, the general idea of competition is what drew people together now once again being humans we don't all agree. So somebody was rooting for for this side and somebody was rooting for that side. We have to, once again, come to the realization that conflict is a part of who we are. But that could be a good thing. If you walk into it knowing that conflict exists, you could begin then as a starting point to make your plans where conflict is a part of the of the solution instead of so many people go in and saying well this is the way it should be and other people say no it shouldn't and the conflict it's as if they don't realize that the conflict is there conflict is always there whether it's a free society or not there's conflict in a flea society because everybody gets, you know, to some extent gets their their say. And there's also conflict in a in a more authoritative uh, 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 authoritative authoritarian yes authoritarian society like China. I mean, what's what's really interesting now, if you read the papers, is. There is great dissent and protests in China. The Chinese people who have been viewed for decades as being very subservient to a 
oppressive kind of government. are fighting back, are protesting. And of course, what are they protesting? (laughs) Same things that we're protesting here. In an effort to have zero tolerance, zero COVID in the country of several billion people, the Chinese government has implemented some very, very strict rules of what people can do and not do in order to keep this virus at bay. They have to jump through a lot of bureaucratic. They need they need cards and, and, and approvals to get on. Uh, There's things that we take for granted about getting on a train or getting on a bus. To go out in public, you need documents. We think that the government is... is, is in, in the United States, is oppressive. We don't even know what oppressive means. And so once again, the Chinese people are saying, enough, we can't live our lives. And they are even dissenting. When you see the Chinese people who have not at least in large numbers, protested against the government, suddenly protesting. You know something's up. Regardless of what it's about, COVID or not, the fact of protesting, of not accepting something being forced upon them, the conflict of that, it's happening all over the world. We're not just divided. Yes, we're divided here in the United States. We just see that we just see we see that in our recent election for all the billions that were spent on advertising and all the rhetoric at the end of the day, the the United States was right where everybody thought it was. We we are a divided country. Our Congress is 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 our Senate is split right in half. The House of Representatives tilted a little. But if you look at it overall, we are right down the middle. We're divided. But I believe that the world is divided. And where I have really saw that, talking about sporting events, as I said before, we do find, if you look, sport does have a way of uniting us. As I said, go back, look at the Romans, look at the Egyptians with the chariot races, look at the Romans with the chariot races and the gladiators and all the things that happened in the, in the, the Roman Colosseum. It brought people together to watch sports here in the United States. Probably no more galvanizing event in my lifetime, at least off the top of my head, perhaps if I, if I really study that there may have been more. I mean, certainly 9-11 was a galvanizing moment where this country all got together in the most recent history. But, you know, that's expected. You know, when some tragedy like that happens, it's not, you know, it's, it, you would expect people to, to, to come together. But for me, it's a sporting event. If you ask me in my lifetime, what brought this country together more in one moment? And it was a sporting event. 
It was the 1980 Olympic hockey team when they beat Russia and then ultimately won the gold medal. For a couple of weeks, this country, there was, I had, I had never seen in, that, in my young life at that time so much patriotism. I hadn't really been aware or raised during a wartime, Cold War. By the time I realized what Vietnam was, it was, it was over. But in terms of a, of a galvanizing moment where for, for a couple of weeks at least and a little after that, uh, it seemed like everyone in this country was on the same page. And whatever differences we had, we, had we, we forgot them for a while. And we rallied around this most unlikely sporting event victory that to us was a symbolism that democracy was better than communism. I mean, the, the Cold War was filled with all this with all these perceptions, and so we were always looking to beat the, you know, the Soviet Union at things, whether it was a space race or nuclear weapons or whatever. But wow, th- that sporting event, when Al Michaels said, do you believe in miracles, that will be, on, that will be the first line of his obituary, and not a bad one, not a bad first line. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a sporting event. And so here, interestingly enough, at this period right now, we are in the midst of the World Cup soccer tournament, which around the world is as if there was a Super Bowl for the world. We know how Super Bowl crazy we get in this country at least on Super Bowl Sunday. Well, the World Cup, even though soccer is slowly gaining in the United States, it's it's uh, it's you know, it's on national television now in prime time on the networks, certainly on cable stations. More and more soccer is becoming more, you know, ingrained in the American culture. It's not there yet, and if you're a soccer fan, and you may say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Soccer is not as big as football. It's not as big as baseball. Not as big as basketball. Getting there. People, I think people expected soccer to be bigger by now. It's certainly more in the, in the, in the national consciousness and in the, in, the of the, in the consciousness of the average person. But it's still not you know, America's pastime. But around the world it is. And I've traveled quite a bit to European countries and other countries, and believe me, I know. You could see it. You turn the TV on, and there's soccer in every country. And the the stadiums are full. There's no question about the popularity of soccer around the world. So ironically, at this period of time, at the holidays, and in this period of time, in this sausage-making era, in this period we're in right now especially of of instability and an uncertainty and inflation and war and covid i mean are there, are there any i mean my gosh you know all the all the major all the major portions of our society are in flux right now that's what i'm talking about about making the sausage we're 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 trying to 
to to reconcile and 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 end the conflicts of so many right i mean that's what's so unique about this period of time in history right now is that we have had problems in our cultures in the world and in our, in this country but a lot of times it's been one thing like world war 2 okay that was a singular problem and we we worked to solve it and we did but we right now i mean there is so much that is in a state of flux we've got war in a country you know we got the ukrainian war that you know it was sometimes we're forgetting about it but it's still going on folks we've got this medical health public health pandemic that is not gone we've got in this country and around the world it's not just in our country it's around the world this inflation and economic hardship that's going on it's not just in the united states when it happens here as i said before it certainly has an impact around the world because of our standing in the world and our economic standing but we're not unique it's not just the policies that are happening in this country that are causing inflation it's happening all around the world it's a global phenomenon and we're dealing with climate change. We can argue about the the, uh, the the forces that are causing it, but you can't deny it's happening. And it's having an effect on our weather. And it's having an effect on how people live because the weather affects waters and streams and and wind. And so we're seeing a lot more catastrophes from hurricanes and floods and wildfires. So we're dealing with that. We're dealing with the environment. We're dealing with the economy. We're dealing with public health. And we're dealing with war and conflict. And then we're dealing with how we get together, this whole idea of diversity, this whole idea of the cancel, the cancel culture, and this whole idea of, uh, of inclusion, The idea of prejudice. So culturally, we've got culture wars. We've got, we've got culture wars. We've got military wars. We've got economic wars. We've got environmental wars. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of conflict going on. We're trying to work through these because at the end of the day, we are an optimistic species we want the best we are looking for solutions but we are dealing with so many integral problems of our existence happening all at once that it's hard to focus and the social media isn't helping and so ironically amidst here we are during the holidays, and yeah, I know this isn't the most uplifting, but once again, I think if you realize where we're at, you realize then internally that it may take a little more effort, but you want to be optimistic and, and, and festive and, and, and hopeful around the holidays. To me, the more you are 
cognizant of the realities, the more it puts on yourself to find those things that can make you optimistic and and festive and happy during the holiday seasons. It may be it may take a little more effort, but also it could be more rewarding. So we we don't we shouldn't you know block all the badness out for 2 weeks because then the grim reality comes when you take all the festive accoutrements away. Then you oh geez. Well, Gas is still high, and it's still high to buy a steak, and there's still this and all that. And then, and then, and then it hits you like a brick. Find a way to coexist with it. Accept our reality of the moment. Accept that we're in a sausage-making kind of era. And then... With that as a base, whether it's great or not, that's your challenge. Within that, accepting that, knowing that's out there, not shutting it out, not closing the windows to it, not pulling the shades down on reality for two weeks or the next month for the holidays, but realizing it's out there. It's more incumbent than than ever than to, within that reality, within that turbulent reality, to make sure that you take the extra effort to find those things that do warm your heart, that do put you in a festive mood. So that when the holidays are over, you don't go into a huge depression about facing reality because you've never forgotten about reality. It, it's out there. You're, you, you, are, you are recognizing it. You're acknowledging it. But you're also finding a way within that turbulence to also find some rays of hope, some, some moments of optimism, some, some fun things of, of family and friends and togetherness and optimism and a festive sense and, and celebratory things. We always want all or nothing. That's the biggest, you know, lesson we need to learn is that we, we have to we, we we have to take we can't have all or nothing. We can't have everything we want. So acknowledge the, the reality and then find ways to insert that festive feeling within this holiday season. Now, one of these things you would have thought, and I'm getting back to my point here, (laughs) we had an ironic situation happen. Talk about reality. The World Cup, soccer, the world's most popular sport, the World Cup usually takes place in the summer months. But several years ago, the World Cup tournament, which includes soccer teams from, right, around the world, a unifying, in theory, a unifying event, right? And once again, competition, sports-related, playing into national pride, just like 
The Roman gladiators did, just like the 1980 USA hockey team did. Sport has a way of uniting amidst whatever turmoil exists. We have the Olympics, right? The Olympics are meant to be. They don't really have the same impact as they used to. But the Olympics were, once again, a way to unite the world through competition, not war. There's still conflict. There's competition in sports, but no one's getting killed. That was the goal of the Olympics. Still is. The World Cup is the same way. It happens every, I don't know if it's every four years or so, but... And once again, I'm not I'm not a, a soccer aficionado, and I don't pretend to be. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 an, I'm 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 very ignorant about the whole soccer world in general. I don't know all the teams. I don't know when how many years there's a World Cup. You know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm I consider myself a, a pretty knowledgeable sports fan. But once again, soccer is not really on my on my radar screen, and it's because I didn't grow up watching it or playing it. And now it is gaining popularity as we've got a generation and a half at least that grew up playing soccer. When I was growing up, soccer was was barely played. They started that the, the soccer, the, the first American soccer league started in the mid seventies. I was a very young kid, and there was Pele, and it started to come in. But it, and and there was a, there was a big move in the in the seventies. It didn't really stick around. But as time has gone on, and in some sports like football, especially which which have had physical types of um, of consequences, soccer is still is is viewed as somewhat, even though it's a very aggressive and can be violent at times. Um, it's not as as uh, crushing on the brain and the body as say football is. There's still a lot of physical contact in soccer, but it's played around the world. And uh, it's viewed as less, you know, violent of a sport. And so now we've had a, about a generation and a half that have been raised on soccer. So now as those people get older in their 40s and 50s, and uh, they grew up with soccer playing it, and, and, and now it's more available on a global basis through cable television and even on network. So I think as time goes on, we will continue to see soccer get as popular. But as I said, it's still not as popular as football, baseball, or basketball in this country. Or even hockey. I would even argue that. Well, I don't know. You can maybe argue the hockey one. Hockey had a nice renaissance over the last 10, 15 years, and it seems to be falling again, at least in the United States here. Uh, but soccer definitely has its place. And so here we have the World Cup, a huge event that the that the entire world is invested in because of the popularity of soccer around the world. And when it was awarded to Qatar in the Middle East, you don't want to have a physical, you know, a, a, a grueling physical um sport to take place in the warm summer months in the Middle East when it's 115. You want to do it now when it's still nice but not oppressive heat. And so because of the location, 
it falls right during the Christmas season for most of the world, right? And there's Hanukkah for our Jewish friends, and there's Kwanzaa, and there's all these different, you know, religion, religious holidays around the end of the year, a lot of them based on, you know, the, uh, the Druids and the Solstice. But initially, but, um, but so we get this, we get this interesting in this time of turmoil. We get this interesting little gift, a holiday gift, if you will, of this potentially binding and bonding sporting event. As I said, sports has a way of bonding us together. And putting all the the conflicts aside for a while for the sake of the competition. And we've seen it. And so it's almost as if this nice little gift happens. While we have all this conflict out there and we're looking for ways to, to bring in a little Christmas spirit, holiday spirit, to, to, to give goodwill toward men and women, to stop the division for a while, for maybe two weeks, we can at least agree on, on watching this event, this sporting event that we all have in common around the world, not just in this country, but around the world. That's the goal of the World Cup tournament, right? And so while most of the time would be in the summer and get and be dominant during the summer months, we get this interesting it falls into the lap right in the in the heart of the beginning and the middle of the christmas season of the holiday season this chance to unite around something amidst all of our conflicts and all of our dividedness and all of our chaos as luck would have it we have this world cup tournament this bonding global experience right when we maybe need it most. And so there's their little ray of hope, that ray of optimism I was talking about before, that we can maybe distract ourselves for a little, not forget, but distract ourselves a little and bond with everyone around the World Cup, this sporting event. Do like we've done for centuries through our history. Bond over a sporting event for a while to take our minds away from the turmoil for a while and offer a little escapism, not completely blind us away from it, not shut it off, but it's okay to have a little escapism. And even this, that's how you know we're in a, a unique time in history. That's how you know we're in a sausage-making era right now. The World Cup, devised and meant to be this unifying event for the world, has been mired in division and conflict and controversy. Even the World Cup. That's how you know, globally, that we are just in a, in a, in a, a very difficult time that we are going to have to buck up 
and 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 slog through and it's not going to be over in a couple of years you know we all wanted as i said before we all wanted covid done in three months former president uh trump had predicted it would be over by easter of 2020 easter of 2020 i guarantee you on easter of 2023 we will still have covid we want things we want bad things to go away fast. We want good things to stay around as long as they can. And we have found in both cases that it never happens that way. As much as we try, as much as we hope, as much as we pray, that's not the way it is. But here was the World Cup, this unifying event that falls uniquely for the first time at the holiday season. Just when we need it. And even that, from, from the beginning, before it started, has been mired in controversy and conflict and division. From the get-go. You know, m- the Middle East. You know, a very strict theocracy. Many of their traditions and laws based on the Quran and, and religious thinking of from centuries ago. So here's soccer, right? All you hear about soccer, especially in Europe. You know, every every pub, every bar, every tavern in the world is always filled. It's even happening here in the United States. In fact, I think that's part of the reason why soccer is gaining popularity. It gives our millennial and our generation Z who enjoy their alcohol another another reason to go get together at the bars, put on their colors for their favorite football team, their FC, if you will, their football club. And it's another reason, aside from football every week and or maybe baseball or basketball, it's another reason to go and, and hang out at a bar <laughs> at the very least. Soccer is is a very social sport. Alcohol and going to the pub, meaning public house, has always been huge, especially in the UK and but everywhere. Not just there, but you think about you know the pubs. You think of you think of soccer a lot of times as a, a British game, but it isn't. But that's what you think of, you know, uh, you know, people at a, at, a, at a bar watching a soccer match with their scarves on of their, the colors of their favorite football club and, and, and drinking their pints, right? And right from the get-go, despite this happening, you know, at, during the holiday season, this chance to unite... Right off the bat, it was announced that alcohol, which is whether you want to you know, admit it or not, alcohol is a big part of the soccer experience. Whether you're, you're, you're watching the game in a pub or a bar or you're at the stadium sitting around the pitch, if you will, not the field. That's, I, I do know that. It's a soccer pitch. I know that. It's not a soccer field. That much I know. But you know, we and we hear about all the violence and hooliganism at because most of these people get drunk. So alcohol, like it or not, once again facing reality, like it or not, alcohol is a huge part of the soccer experience. 
for the spectator, whether you're in a bar or you're at the event. And in the Middle East, in Qatar, they say, uh, sorry, no alcohol sales. That's against our religion. Budweiser is donating all of the beer that they were going to sell at this huge event to the winning team. <laughs> and this was only uh, you know, announced like a week or so or a couple of weeks before the beginning of the World Cup tournament. Took the world by surprise. But no alcohol sales at the stadium. That was a huge deal already. Right off the bat, before the first, the first ball was kicked, there was controversy. And then the controversy just continued. There were questions about countries, you know, politics got involved, and LGBT rights, and teams wanting to wear armbands that showed their support for certain groups like the LGBT against other countries around the world that were especially in the Middle East, which is known for its strict uh, laws against uh, homosexuality and, 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 and women in the culture. So now they were using the Middle East and Qatar as a basis for protest to bring up political and social issues, our divisions. So this unifying event, I mean, to the point where if the if players wore this this kind of armband that would be a, a symbol of their solidarity against you know, for the LGBT community, if, if players were wearing this armband, just wearing this armband, they would get a penalty in the game. I mean, that's I've never heard of that, of, of an outside influence actually affecting the game itself. You know, I mean, that's like, you know, well, this player here, you know, because of, you know, he's, you know let's, let's take hockey since they have penalties or, you know, even, um, you know, basketball. You get personal fouls. That's like saying, oh, you know what? This person here uh, favors this one political ideology, so he's going to start the game with one personal foul already. Whoa. Usually those outside forces don't, don't play a part of the actual game themselves, but here teams would get a yellow card, and I'm not even sure what I know what that is to some extent. I know it's a penalty. I don't know what the penalty means, but I know it's not good. But they would actually, if they wore this this armband in support of LGBT rights during the game, they would actually get a penalty within the game. That's unheard. I've never heard of outside forces affecting the rules of a sport, but that's what was happening. You know, so we're seeing so much of this conflict that's actually now taking apart. And then... There was a lot of the, and then Iran in the Middle East, right? Now here's Iran. They, the players, were rebelling against their own country. The players in Iran 
we're 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 upset about the strict laws that they would not even sing the Iranian national anthem and the the Iran the Iranian government was going to do things to their families and apparently there was a woman that um that uh in 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 Iran who was killed I believe um in September and that was kind of their protest because as I said before in 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 these Middle Eastern countries women's rights are are are, are greatly curtailed so the Iranian team was even rebelling against their own country in the midst of this unifying supposedly unifying event from from the beginning and throughout the conflict the chaos the division of the world could not even be kept out of the sport and of the world cup to the point where there were more stories about the political implications and the cultural behavior implications of these games then you heard about the scores the, the the soccer itself was secondary in the coverage because there were all these cultural and political issues creeping into the game you would have thought that this game would have been the unify as it was meant to be this unifying factor where all the conflict and all the division and all the chaos for a couple of weeks would be kept aside. And the, the true beauty of the sport and the true spirit of competition would bond the world. But we are in such a chaotic, divided thing that that can't even happen. Even a a usually unifying event like the World Cup crumbles under the division and chaos and sausage-making in our world right now. And then there's been some big upsets. It, there should have been some great things. You know, the, 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 some of the, the favorite teams were getting beaten by, by total underdogs. But, you know, the perfect example of this, of, of this malaise, if you will, and that's a, a term from the, sixth, from the 70s during the Jimmy Carter administration where, where things just aren't moving, things aren't exciting, we're stuck in mud. That's what malaise really is, just a, uh, you know, and, and, and the world right now, doesn't it feel like things are kind of stuck in the mud? To prove how, how even the World Cup couldn't be this, this unifying uh, uh, you know, event and, and to, to, to inspire and to provide some, some uh, excitement and some positivity and optimism. A couple weeks ago, there was a, the big game, the USA versus England, right? The US, England, you know... A huge, you know, soccer country. It, it, it's, it's the number one sport around the world, as I said. But in England and the UK, I mean, soccer rules. And here's the fledgling United States team by, once again, by just our sheer reputation 
And, you know, we have we came late to the game to soccer. We're still not at the par of the great teams, but because of who we are in the country, there's always a spotlight on us. But we are still far, far down the line in terms of, of being a soccer powerhouse amongst the other teams in the world. But here's the United States and England, right? And what happens in that game? Zero zero tie. <laughs> Not even a, no one scored a goal. Can't even there's a tie. Malaise. No no winner, no loser. <laughs> How representative of this time when we're stuck in the mud. <laughs> When we're trying, how representative was that game of what's going on right now in the world? (laughs) I mean, zero to zero. So much expectation, so much optimism, people looking forward to the game. And after 90-some minutes, not not just a tie, not just a draw, but a zero to zero draw. Nobody scored a goal. (laughs) sometimes sports can reflect what's going on in our world. And right now, the World Cup couldn't even break through the division and the chaos. Now, there's, we're, we're going into the next round, so hopefully in the next couple of weeks, when the, the, the games will get better, and a lot of this controversy may fall as we get closer to the, 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 the end, and maybe we will have, I believe it ends on the 18th and so may, of December. So maybe there will be you know, this, this, the ability for people to, to finally rally around when, when the final comes, depending on what the countries are. But... At this holiday season, in this time of, of conflict and division, it's a tough time. Even World Cup soccer, the one unifying force that you would have thought was delivered as a nice little gift around the holidays, even that has fallen prey to our divided and chaotic world. So I would say to you around this time of the year, that's the reality. So it may take a little extra effort this year. It may take a little more time, may take a little more thought, but you can find that festive holiday spirit. You can find it in yourself, And you can find it in a way to spread it and give it to others. Because even though we're in a sausage-making time, think of not the ingredients, but think of that great result. And that great result, amidst all the chaos and all the division and all the craziness that's going on, is to be able to raise a glass during the holidays and share a smile and a camaraderie and a love with the people who are most important to you. There's a lot of stuff out there that is challenging us, 
But I believe if you look deep down inside and you take the effort, all the chaos and all the division, you can still find some cracks, some crevices to instill that holiday spirit. The World Cup didn't the World Cup couldn't do it. So maybe you can. We're in a time of making the sausage. It's not always pretty. Oh, but think about when you take a nice bite out of a delicious juicy brat. Think of the end game. Think about the holidays. And think about ways, as difficult as it is sometimes, to bring a little festive mood to yourself and to those you love. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody. Who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 341. I'm Jim Toronto. I am here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. Oh, man, a brat. <laughs>